everybody doing this morning? Man, I love having the kids here worshiping with us. If you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to be wrapping up our series on the good work. The good work. Everybody say the good work. We're doing a good work. Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. I want to give you a quick update just in case you may have missed uh, last week or the you know one of the weeks that we've been doing the series. Um, we're looking at this guy. He's an ordinary guy. His name from the Old Testament. His name is Nehemiah. And he was doing a very, very, very good work. And he, here's what I believe about every single one of us. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. When I look out, when I see you here, uh, when I see our kids, I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that God knows exactly, he knew exactly what he was doing when he created you. I don't believe that God makes anybody that, like, he doesn't make mistakes. I believe that you were not created by accident. I believe that God looks at your life, and he looks at all the things you've been through. He looks at all the good, the bad, the ugly. And God has very purposefully given you a set of gifts and passions and desires to make an eternal impact. And so my prayer today is that you will uh, that you will listen to this message, the words that we're gonna that we're gonna be studying from Nehemiah chapter six. My prayer is that God will move you, that He will shake you a little bit, that He'll inspire you and challenge you to to do good work for Him. So who is Nehemiah? Who's Nehemiah? So Nehemiah is just guy, just an average guy. He's not a pastor. He's not a priest, and this is one of the reasons why I love this series, because I really believe that God can use anybody. You don't have to be up here on stage for God to use you. In fact, God will often use people who are not on stage, who are not on the spotlight, way more than those who are. And so Nehemiah is not a pastor, he's not a priest, he's not a prophet, he's not a warrior, he's not a king, he's not even a builder, he's not a contractor, none of those things. He's just a regular guy who's praying this prayer, God, I want to desperately be used by you. Lord, I want to be by, used by you. And so his people, God's people actually, about 140 years before Nehemiah was born, they were attacked by the Babylonians. And they raped the women. They, the city was burned down to the ground. The, they held the men in bondage. They took people away from their homeland into captivity. And decades later, about 50,000 Jews are able to go back to Jerusalem, and they're trying to rebuild the city, but they're not making any progress. Why? Because their wall that protects them, the wall around the city, is in ruins. And so um, Nehemiah, who is about 1,000 miles away, is, he's working for the king. He hears his report. And his heart just sinks. Has that, has that ever happened to you? You hear some news about someone. You hear a report. Something happens. Maybe it's on the news. Maybe it's a friend that calls you. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a situation, something that has happened at work. And you hear it, and it's just like, boom. And it just, just, just your, your heart just sinks for that person. Your heart just sinks for that group of people. Your heart just like, ah, oh, man, I cannot believe what's going on. And so here's what Nehemiah begins to do. He begins to pray. He begins to seek God's heart. In fact, in the sixth chapter in the book of Nehemiah that we've looked at, Nehemiah seeks God and he prays 12 different times. 
So this is a, this is a pattern in his life. Anytime that, he's, that God is doing something in his life, he just runs after the Lord. And so what Nehemiah is going to do, he's, gonna, he's going to come before the king, and he's going to ask for permission to leave and help his people. Now, that has to, I mean, he's got, this is a guy who's got guts. Because of his position, the king at any point, he could have had his head on a platter, and he could have actually taken this request as a threat that maybe, Nehemiah, what you're trying to do is you're trying to run away, and you're trying to set up your little kingdom in Jerusalem. And maybe the king could have said no, and actually worse than that, he could have had you know, his life. And Nehemiah seeks God, and it's a matter of life and death. He comes before the king, and the king gives him a thumbs up. And so the work begins. Now, up to this point in the story, everything's good. Like everything's like the king gives him a thumbs up, gives him the resources. He makes it to Jerusalem. He's able to gather the people, and everything's good. And the moment, the moment that the good work begins, that's when the attack begins. Isn't that interesting? The moment that the good work, like the moment they say, okay, yes, we're in, we're going to do this, that moment, that's when the, the enemy puts a target on the enemy's back. And what we've learned through the series is that the enemy does not bother those who are not a threat to him. And so if you're going through spiritual battles right now, here's what I can tell you. The enemy, you're a threat to the enemy. So we're going to begin in chapter 6, verse 1, and it says this. It says, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshen, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So basically the project is almost finished. They're just putting a few minor uh, finishing touches on the wall. They're almost done, okay? Verse 2. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of oh no now last week i made a little bit of a joke and i said when the enemy is trying to lure you away to a place called oh no what is the answer the answer is always what oh no i'm not gonna i'm not heading that way okay and usually that's what the enemy does Okay, you're doing something good for the Lord. You're doing something good for, for a neighbor. You're doing something, something good for, for someone else other than yourself. Guess what the enemy's going to do? He's going to pull you away. The moment you say, you know what, we're going to start taking my family back to church. That's the moment that the enemy says, oh, you're my target. Okay, because I'm about to lose you. So I'm going to grab you and I'm going to bring you back. And he begins to lure you away. And you can see this all over the passage. And so they come to Nehemiah, he's almost done. They just need to put a few finishing touches, and they come after him and say, you know what, let's, let's go meet somewhere else. Verse 2, the end of verse 2, but I realized that they were plotting to what? To harm me. Now, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes today. This is the main point. I only have one point for you today, and it's this. If the enemy cannot destroy you he will try to distract you can we all say that together let me say it one more time and then we're all going to say it together okay so if the enemy cannot take you out if the enemy cannot destroy you he will try to 
distract you. Okay, let's all say it together. If the enemy can't destroy you, he will try to distract you. Distract you. Let's pray. Father God, I ask for the next few minutes that you would allow us to focus on you, Father. God, I believe that you have a word for every single person that's listening here in the room, those who are watching online or listening to the podcast. God, I pray that you'd penetrate our hearts like only you can. God, speak to us in a clear, bold, and loud way. God, and may we surrender what it is that we need to surrender. Anything that we're holding on to, God, God, I pray that we would give it up for you. May we focus on you for the next few minutes, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So if the enemy cannot destroy, destroy you, if the enemy cannot take you out, what he's going to do, he's going to throw a few curveballs and he's going to try to distract you. That's exactly what's happening in this passage. And perhaps there's never been an easier time to get distracted in the history of the world than it is today. I, don't, I cannot think of an easier time to be passionate about things that really waste our times, okay? And I can just mention a few. I mean, uh, whether it's Netflix, whether it's social media, whether it's this little thing right here that we are glued to, whether it's YouTube, whether it's video games, we're constantly bombarded, constantly. You know, are you going there? Are you buying this? Are you going to do this? Sign up here. Like this. Comment here. And it, it's almost like we're lab rats, I really believe that there are massive corporations that have mastered the art of distraction. And they know exactly what to do to give us just another hit of endorphins. They know exactly what to do. They know when to do it just so that we can say glue to whatever content they're putting out. I mean, they just know that I think that it's funny. Um, I've, I've told my wife certain things like, hey, we need to buy something. I have not Googled it. I have not looked for it. I have not done any searches. I have not emailed anybody. And somehow I'm looking at my Instagram feed, and here it comes, the ad of exactly what I'm looking for. Okay? So I don't know how that happens, but it's, it's, it's Alexa. She's listening. <laughs> So if the enemy can't destroy you, he's going to figure a way to distract you. And I believe that there are massive corporations that they know. They know the algorithms. They know how to follow us. They know what we like. And I'm not, if, hey, if you're new to the church, I'm not saying that any of those things are bad, okay? Like, like they can be, all right? They can turn and they can distract you, but I'm not saying that they're, they're necessarily a bad thing. But watch what verse 3 says. So I replied by sending this message to them. So they're coming to Nehemiah and says, come, come, get off the wall, come down. I, we we want to tell you something. We want to meet up with you. And so I reply by sending this message to them. Watch this. It's on the screen. I am engaged in a, say it together with me, church. I am engaged in a great work. I'm engaged in a great work. So I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you now originally if you've been following the series week one chapter two nehemiah said let the good work begin remember that that's what the, that's where we got the name of the series the good work but i love that nehemiah doesn't call it in verse in verse three doesn't call it a good work anymore he calls it a great work and i love that because i sense that that he has seen the hand of god 
He had seen how the king said, yes, thumbs up, you can go. He saw how not only did the king say you can go, but actually gave him some of the resources. He's seen how God has protected him, and he's seen his faithfulness and his provision throughout this process. And so he doesn't call it good work anymore. He calls it, what I'm doing right now, it's great work. It's great, great work. And here's my prayer today. My prayer is, I was thinking about this, for this message this week. My prayer is that you would recognize that where God has you today, okay, is for a purpose. My prayer is that you would recognize, maybe it's a place where there's pain. My, my prayer for you today is that you would recognize that you are where you are for a purpose. It's more than a paycheck. It's more than a position. It's more than a title. Maybe you're here and you're a divorced dad and you're running after three kids and you're changing diapers and you're picking up toys and you're like, man, I cannot wait till, till they grow up a little bit more so that I can get to the next season of my life because my life is so hectic, Pastor Alex. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that somehow today you would recognize that this is the one chance that you have to make a difference in those kids' lives. My prayer is that somehow something will be triggered in your heart today that you will say, you know what, this season will not last forever. And, and maybe, I don't know where you're at today, maybe your kids are older and you feel like you're an Uber driver, you know, you're just giving them rides every other day. Sometimes I feel like that, okay? Taking them to the orthodontist, taking them to work, taking them to this, you know, and I'm just praying that they get their license really, really fast. Katie, <coughs> That was not on the notes. That was the Holy Spirit that just gave it to me. <laughs> I try not to embarrass my kids from, at least on purpose, okay? But it happens sometimes. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know if it's that you've been at the same work, at the same place working, you know, for years. And it's just, you're comfortable. And it's just kind of, you're just going through the monotony of life. And you just don't, you're a little bit lost. You don't, you know, you've lost sort of the, the edge, your spark, your passion. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that you would embrace the fact that God has you there for a purpose. Maybe for a person. Maybe for a person. It's kind of like the, the starfish story. Have you heard the story? I've told it, I've told it to you guys before. It's one of my favorite stories. Young man is walking along the beach, and he sees a bunch of starfish, I mean hundreds, all along the beach. And he sees that miles, not miles, but a few hundred feet ahead of him, there's an older gentleman that is picking up the starfish and throwing them into, into the ocean. And he doesn't quite understand what he's doing. He's just walking, and he's, he re, you know, he's sort of following him. He's recognizing this guy for, like, minutes. Like, he's just bending over, grabbing the starfish and throwing it into the ocean. He get, gets up close to the guy and he's like what are you doing and he's like well the sun is coming up and the tide is going out and they're gonna die and the young guy's like are you crazy are you out of your mind like you would you would have to work i mean there's thousands of miles of beach you'd have to work i mean even if you worked a whole day okay you're not even gonna cover a tenth of all the starfish on the on the beach like there's no way and the old man patiently listened as the guy, as the young man, is just kind of trying to convince him that, like, you can't make a difference. And the, young, the old man just bends over, grabs one, throws it into the ocean, and he says, it made a difference to that one, for that one. And so, you may not change tomorrow's world. You, you may not change the world tomorrow, but you may, you, you, you are able to change someone's day. 
And you may not be able to say, you know what, I've, I've done this huge thing. But if you focus on just doing one little thing at a time, you'll see that God makes a difference through you. And so Nehemiah recognizes that. And he says, I am engaged in a great work. Now, we could argue the opposite. We could argue this guy is just building a wall, right? I mean, think about it. After all, it's just a wall. It's just, you know, just putting brick after brick. What's the big deal? He doesn't see it as that. He says, this is what I'm doing is great work. And I hope that you would recognize the same thing, that you are doing great work. Because what the enemy will do, if he can't destroy you, he'll distract you. And so he'll say, what you're doing is not enough. It's less than. It's not, you're not going to make a difference. You've already tried. Look at your life. You've, you know, you've, you've been there. You've done that. It's no good. And so Nehemiah says, watch this. The Bible says in verse 4, Four times they sent the same message. And each time, there's the distraction right there. And each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, the fifth time, Sanballat's servants came with an open letter in his hand. So they come, the fifth time they come with a letter and they give it to him. And this is what the letter says. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations there's a rumor, there's a rumor among the surrounding nations. And Geshem tells me it is true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel and that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. And you know what they tell Nehemiah? They come to him and they say, you better believe that this rumor is going to get back to the king. Now, what are they doing? This is all about fear. This is all about fear. This is all about spreading gossip. This is all about spreading lies. This is all about trying to get, trying to trash your name. This was not in Nehemiah's heart. This is not something that he wanted. He just wanted to help his people. His heart was in the right place. But then they, they send this letter, and they're like, there's rumors. There's rumors. Has anybody ever spread rumors about you? Anybody? Has anybody ever said something that wasn't true about your character? Yeah, I think we can all relate, right? Like being in ministry for 20 plus years, like, like this is something that I've, I've had to deal with it. You know, and I don't like it when people say like things about me that are not true. And uh, Craig Rochelle has a line. He preaches the same message, and he, he has a line. He says, rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and accepted by idiots. I love that. <laughs> I'll say it again. Rumors are carried by haters. They're spread by fools. They're accepted by idiots. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Nehemiah, verse 8, I replied, there's no truth. There's no truth in any part of your story. You're making up this whole thing. See, the thing about rumors is that it, they're distractions. The thing about lies and the thing about, like, like, people trashing your name is that they're just a distraction. It's the enemy who's not able to destroy you because of who lives, who dwells in you. And so he's figuring out, man, if I can't do it directly to you, then I'm going to use whoever's around you, whoever's not even remotely close to take you down. And if I can't take you down, I'm going to distract you. 
And so if you're a person of integrity, you don't have to worry about what people are saying about you. You need to just worry about what's true about you. See, that's hard enough. And so in my life, when I'm doing good, because I don't always get this right, but when I'm doing it right, I'm not concerned about what other people are saying. I'm concerned about what's true about myself, my character, my integrity. And that's what's hard. And so verse 9, they were trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. They were trying to intimidate us. And they were imagining things, trying to think that they're going to discourage us. I love the heart behind Nehemiah. Trying to think that they're going to stop us from doing the work. So, watch this. Here's here's the, the clencher for all of us. So I continue the work with even greater determination. Man, what a powerful message. If I, could, if I could just apply half of that truth right there. So I continue the work with even greater determination. Instead of letting opposition discourage him, instead of letting opposition kind of weaken him and discourage him and kind of take him in a different path, no, he allowed those distractions to strengthen him to become even more determined. If you read the passage, it says, with one hand, I had one, you know, I had one tool in one hand, and I had, and I was working, and I had my weapon on the other. I had one tool building the wall, a weapon on the other hand. I'm not coming off this ladder to go meet with you. And so let me ask you this. In what areas of your lives have you been facing a position And it's not like the enemy has destroyed you, but he's distracted you. Let me ask that again. In what areas of your life do you feel like you're facing opposition, and the enemy, he hasn't taken you out. You're still here. Man, you're still engaged. You're still, you know, making it through. But you feel in your heart that he's for sure, man, you've gotten sidetracked, and he's distracted you a little bit. It's that could it be that? It's a God thing. It's a spiritual thing. You're wanting to pay the thing off, but the enemy's kind of just gotten distracted you a little bit. Is it gossip? Is it a negative behavior? Man, you were good. You were on a good path, but all of a sudden, you know, he's gotten you distracted. He's distracted your mind, and all of a sudden, your focus is not on him anymore, and you've, you've become a little bit more negative. I mean, man, you've had a good run, but now it's not where he hasn't taken you out just yet, but you know mentally, you know you're not at where you're you're not where you have been or you want to be could it be exercise could it be could it be your your personal walk with him maybe your prayer life maybe you've said you know what i've stopped serving there was a day when i was faithful and i was serving him and i man i stopped that could it be your tithing could it be scripture reading could it be life group like like you were in community before and the truth is you've gotten distracted is it your work ethics? You're just kind of coasting. Could it be the worry of finances? Man, you were under, like you had it for a while. You were good. But now it's like this beast that just come out of anywhere. And now all you can do is worry about the finances or worry about, and you fill in the blank. And so here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you. No, no, no. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you with the power of God's truth. Be a Nehemiah. 
when opposition comes, when the enemy tries to intimidate you, when he tries to discourage you, instead of giving in, like do it's like reverse psychology. Do the opposite. Like go even harder at him. You're a warrior. And even with greater determination. Verse 15. And we're going to ask our worship team to get in place. We're almost done here. Verse 15. We jumped into verse 15. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Everybody say finished. On October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after they had begun. 52 days. And what I love about this no crazy miracle from God. Think about it. There's no talking donkey. There's no food from heaven. There's no burning bush. There's no parting of the Red Sea. There's no fire from heaven, from the sky. Like, none of that. You don't see any of that. You know, that you read the whole story. Just an ordinary guy with vision, with a heart for the things of God, who gathers a group of people. They're not perfect. You know, if you read this story, you see that, man, at one point, they're encouraged, they're enthusiastic, they're doing the work. Three verses down, they're like, man, this is too hard for us, and they're tired. So, like, they're not, like, like perfect people, but it's, you have one ordinary guy, not a priest, not a preacher, not a, a, a king or a warrior, none, not even a builder, just a guy who says, God, use me. He wants to desperately be used by God. And a group, of people, a group of people who say, you know what? We're in. We're in. Use us. And in 52 days, they are the miracle. Think about it. They are the miracle. And the beauty in the story, I think, is that there are no supernatural miracles from heaven. That's the beauty in this story. And here's, here's what I, I want you to hear from me today. You are the miracle. You're the miracle. Sometimes it takes hard work. Often, it takes hard work. Often, you ask for the miracle, and God says, the miracle is in you. You can make it happen. It's up to you. And so what I want to do is I want to I give you a couple of things. I want to give you an update on, you heard a little bit on the video, on what we've done for Heart for the House. And then I have a verse, and we'll kind of wrap it up, okay? So let's put that on the screen. This is what we've given so far. And... Um, Almost $50,000. Um, I cannot say thank you enough, okay? When I see um, how you've given sacrificially to this, uh, I am humbled, you know? I, I told my wife today, man, this is, you inspire me, okay? I want you to know that because I know that for many of you, it's out of sacrifice. You've given sacrificially, and I recognize that. And so I can't say, as, as your pastor, I can't say thank you enough. Uh, we have one week left. Um, we have a, a donor who's willing to match dollar for dollar up to $15,000. So whatever we give this last week, whatever God puts in your heart, maybe you have not given. Um, if you believe in the vision of LifePoint, I want to encourage you to give sacrificially. One week left. Whatever we give this last week, it'll be matched up to $15,000, okay? But here's what, here's what I want you to get. Here's, here's what I want you to leave with today. Verse 15, October 2nd, the wall was finished 52 days after we had begun. Watch this. This, this to me, is the, the best part of the message. And when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, listen, listen. When our enemies 
and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. And they realized the work, watch this, they realized the work had been done with the help of our God. Now, look at that, look at that one more time. They realized that the work had been done with the help of our God. Who, who gets the credit? Who gets glorified through it all? Our God. It, it, it's the one who calls you. It's, it's the one who empowers you. It's the one who will open up the doors. It's the one who is going to make it possible. He's the one who's going to get the glory. And so at the end of the day, the good work is not about you. It's about him. It's about letting go. It's about saying, Lord, I release control. Whatever you want, I surrender. This is all about you, God. You know my heart. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I know that some of you are in the middle of it right now. And it's, it's challenging. And it's, it's I, honestly, when I hear your stories, I don't know that I could do what you've done. When I hear the stories, you know, being a single mom with, with four kids, going through cancer, being on the, the verge of bankruptcy, I, I honestly don't know how, you, how you've done what you've been able to do. The anxiety and the depression And so I know some of you are in the middle of it. And I want you to know that the God who called you is also the same God who sees the setbacks. He also sees the victories. And so wherever you're at today in that process, I want, I want to remind you, and sometimes we just need a little reminder, God's still with you. He's not going to leave you hanging. His promise to us he'll, is He'll never forsake us. He's still empowering you. He's still reinforcing your calling. No man can talk you out of it. And so when your enemies come against you, just remember, you're doing great work. You're doing great. Tell yourself that, God, I'm doing great work. I'm doing great work. And I'm not going to come down this fall I'm not going to lose focus because that's I know exactly that's the enemy can't destroy me are you kidding me and so when he comes to you all you need to say is I'm doing a great work I'm not coming down how many of you would say pastor would you pray for me would you raise your hand yep all over the room so what if you made a mistake? So what if you gave in to the temptation? So what if you, like, fell down one more time? You're doing great work. Get back up on that. And with greater enthusiasm, go after him. You've got what it takes. Father God, you've seen the hands. And we know your spirit 
the commander of the universe lives in us. There's no junior-sized spirit in us. And so, God, whatever it is that you've called us to do, renew our minds, renew our hearts, renew our faith. And, God, we surrender it. We surrender it to you because we know, we know, we know. It's not just a saying. We know that the best is yet to come. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.